Well, I want to invite you to grab your copy of God's Word this morning. Join me once again in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 20. We will pick up in week three of our series on the Ten Commandments. You'll see in your handout this morning, the message is entitled, The Name of the Lord. We're looking this morning at commandment number three. And as we prepare to do that, here's the question before us. What's in a name? What's in a name? How many of you have ever heard this phrase used before? Your name is mud. You ever heard that? Somebody is simply telling you that people don't like you a whole lot. You know, when you actually look back at that phrase, one of the interesting things that you find is that it was first recorded, used in writing in about 1823. But what you need to know is that about 40 years later, that phrase took a bit of a turn. And the reason is because of a man named Dr. Samuel Mudd. You'll see his picture here up on the screen. Some of you may know this story. Some of you may have no idea about this story. But in the 1860s, the president of the United States at that point in time was assassinated, Abraham Lincoln. John Wilkes Booth shot him there in Ford's Theater, jumped out of the balcony caught his leg and ended up fracturing his leg as he landed on the stage there in the theater. He took off, he ran, hopped on a horse and took off to flee out of the city of Washington, D.C. Well, one of the places that he went after that was to the countryside and in fact to Dr. Samuel Mudd's home. And this man came up, and he said, I'm injured, can you help me? And so Dr. Samuel Mudd took John Wilkes Booth in and actually reset his leg and put on a splint and set him on his way, unbeknownst to him at that time that John Wilkes Booth was actually a fugitive who had just assassinated the president. And so not long after that, they found him, and they actually found John Wilkes Booth's boot in his clinic at his home. And so here's what happened. They actually charged Dr. Samuel Mudd with being a part of the conspiracy to assassinate Abraham Lincoln. And so from that point forward, in fact, you may have heard that it's tied to this. In fact, at this point, people associate your name is mud, not with where it originally came from, but actually with Dr. Samuel Mudd. So what's in a name? Your name is important to you. My name is important to me. We want people to call us by the right name, don't you? You want people to actually pronounce your name correctly. What's funny is some of your parents really didn't set you up well for that. <laughs> but listen, your name is important. It matters. And the third commandment addresses the name of the Lord. 
God's name matters. And so I want to read for us this morning, Exodus chapter 20, as we've done each week in this series and will over the next weeks together. I want to read all of Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 21. This is God's word. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off and said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. Moses said to the people, do not fear for God has come to test you that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. Father, we ask this morning that you would open our eyes that we would be able to see, that you would open our ears that we would be able to hear, and that you would open our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to respond to your word and to your spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. As you take notes this morning, I want to encourage you to write down this main idea that will frame our time together as we consider this third commandment. It's this truth. We have the opportunity every single day of our lives, every single moment of our day to honor and cherish the name of God the Lord. Every moment of every day is an opportunity for us who are followers of Jesus to cherish and to honor the name of the Lord. I want to remind you as we have 
began this series on the Ten Commandments, you may be asking, maybe you're new, why in the world the Ten Commandments? What is the purpose for the Ten Commandments? It sounds like just a bunch of rules. Well, let's just do a refresher this morning. I want you to be reminded of the four purposes of the Ten Commandments. The first of those is that the Ten Commandments reveal the character of God. These commandments give us a picture that God is holy, that God is righteous, that there is no one like him on the planet. And so for us, it reminds us as we are working through just how magnificent, how great, how holy, how righteous our God is. But then it also does what we see here in number two, the Ten Commandments expose our own sinfulness. In fact, Paul says it functions like a mirror in in our lives, that it shows us where we are off course. It shows us that we cannot perfectly keep the righteousness that God has laid out before us. We are without hope to do this in our own strength and our own power, which leads us to number three, the Ten Commandments drive us to Jesus. Because Jesus alone, the very Son of God who came to this earth, is the only one who perfectly kept the law of God on our behalf. He did what we could not do and then willingly laid his life down as a sacrifice for our sins. And so I want to say to you this morning, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, please, as you read through and hear the Ten Commandments, do not think in any way, shape, or form that I could perfectly keep these commandments and be okay with God. You cannot do that, which should drive you to Jesus should drive you to recognize your only hope to be accepted by God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And then here's the fourth thing that the Ten Commandments do. They guide us to righteousness. So once we have trusted in Jesus as our Savior, once we've been forgiven of our sins, brought into a right relationship with God, our Heavenly Father, what is set before us is that we are to be holy as God is holy. And Jesus laid out for those that he was teaching what that looked like, and that is to love God and to love people. We said from the outset, the first four commandments speak about our relationship with God. What does it look like for us to love God well? And the last six commandments speak to our relationship horizontally with our neighbors. What does it look like to love other people well? For us as followers of Jesus, we are to walk in righteousness. And so as we think about the Ten Commandments, they give us a guide to what it looks like to walk in obedience to the Lord, not again in our own strength and in our own power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit of God who works in and through our lives. So now, with that said, let's look at this third commandment. Let's look at it, first of all, in its immediate context. So I want you to be reminded that all of the commandments are set up on the basis of verse 2 in Exodus chapter 20. Remind yourselves as we walk through each of these commandments that God first says to his people, I am the Lord your God. Speaking of his identity, 
Not only that, speaking of his relationship with them, and he goes on to say, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. God begins these commandments by reminding his people who he is, his relationship with them specifically, and his deliverance of them. And then we find ourselves looking at verse 7, the third commandment. After you will have no other gods before me, after you will not make yourselves carved images to represent God in any way, shape, or form. Verse 7, the Lord says, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now, as we think about that, most of us probably come thinking that this is primarily you're not supposed to cuss and use God's name. That's probably what you're thinking primarily in this moment. And I want to just say to you, there is so much more than just that. So then let's ask the question, as the Lord is giving this to his people, what does the word vain mean? Because that sets the tone for us to better understand what the Lord is saying to his people. And vain, translated there in the ESV, means empty or nothing or worthless. And so the Lord is saying to his people, don't take up my name. Don't use my name as if it is worthless, as if it is nothing, as if it is empty of any value or meaning or purpose. You are not to use my name in that fashion. Now, remind yourselves at this point that the Lord, through Moses, has already defined for himself his name. Remember Moses, when the Lord calls him to go and to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt, Moses says, who do I tell them sent me? What is your name? And the Lord says to Moses, tell them I am sent you. Which we look at that and think that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And yet what we realize is that God's declaration of himself in his name, tell them I am sent, means that he is the self-existent God. He has always been and he will always be. No one created him. He has created everything and sustained everything that he has created. And so the Lord says to his people, now through Moses, don't look at my name as if it is worthless or as if it is nothing or as if it is empty. And so we've said, how then do we understand this from a positive standpoint? Remember, each of these commandments, for the most part, come in a negative way, right? Do not do this. Let's take this moment and think about this command in a positive light. And so you'll see this up on the screen, this statement. The Lord is saying to his people, I am the Lord. Praise, honor, bless, celebrate, cherish, exalt, worship, and adore my name. As we look at that, what we realize is the Lord is saying, my name is something special. 
It is something incredible. It should not just be thrown around carelessly or as if it means nothing, but my name should be cherished and honored and worshiped and praised and adored. As we think about that in its immediate context, we're reminded that for the nations surrounding the Israelites at this point in time, they would not have thought much at all about their God's name. And yet the Lord says to his people, my name is not something that you take lightly. Let's think about this now then in its canonical context. What does, what does the scope of Scripture have to say about the name of the Lord? Well, let me offer three statements and three passages of Scripture to highlight this for us. The first statement is, beware of using the name of the Lord contemptuously. Beware of using the name of the Lord with contempt. This right here, I think, is the primary way we think about this command. And so look at Leviticus chapter 24, verses 15 and 16. This is the Lord speaking to his people, Israel. And this is what he says to them. And speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him, the sojourner as well as the native, when he blasphemes the name, shall be put to death. You say, how seriously did God take the use of his name? There you go. The Lord says in this moment to his people, if one is going to blaspheme my name or use my name as a curse, then Israel, you have the right to take that person and to stone them, to actually kill them. It was a capital offense in Israel to use the name of the Lord in a contemptuously way, to not care about using the name of the Lord to blaspheme or to use the name of the Lord as a curse, to which I just thought for a little bit, man, if, if that were still in effect today, we would have very few actors left in Hollywood, which may not be a bad thing. But just think about that. How quickly, how easily that the Lord's name is used in that context as being blasphemed or as a curse word. You think maybe that's all, but it's not just that either. In fact, the Lord said to his people as well that he is not to be worshipped as the other gods are to be worshipped. And one of the things that he highlights is a god that was called Molech and that the people who were worshipping this god would actually offer their children as sacrifice. And so one of the things that the Lord says to his people is you're not to blaspheme my name like that, like they do with their false gods. Here's the second thing as we look at scripture that it lays out for us when it comes to the Lord's name. Beware of using the name of the Lord carelessly. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 12, this is what the Lord says, you shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. 
in this context specifically, the Lord's saying to his people, if you swear by my name and you don't do what you said you were going to do, that is profaning the name of the Lord. So think about this in, in our immediate context as we think about politicians when they take the oath of office. What do they do? They put their hand on the Bible and they swear that they're going to uphold the Constitution. Well, for them to go in and to do that and to care nothing about what God says is blaspheming the name of the Lord. Same thing true for someone who is testifying before a jury and they raise their right hand and they swear by the Lord that they're going to tell the truth. If they don't tell the truth, once again, this is profaning the name of the Lord. Lest we let ourselves off the hook at this point, if you ever say something in that, I swear to God, just flippantly, when you don't think about that and what you're actually saying is to profane the name of the Lord. Jesus cared so much about this. In fact, he told the religious leaders of his day, let your yes be yes and your no be no. They were trying to swear by everything else, the temple, their families, to not bring the name of the Lord in it. And Jesus says to them, you've missed the boat entirely. Just do what you said you were going to do. Here's the third way that scripture talks about the name of the Lord. Beware of using the name of the Lord cunningly. The passage of scripture I want to call your attention to is probably one of my favorites in the entire Bible as a pastor. I know it's dangerous to say that, but it really is. And so I want you to look with me at Acts chapter 19. You'll see this come up on the screen this morning, beginning in verse 11 down through verse 20. You're going to see this play out. It says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick and their diseases left them and the evil spirits came out of them. Here's where things begin to get interesting in verse 13. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists, those were people whose primary job was to cast out demons. That was what was on their job description. They undertook, watch this, to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize but who are you? And the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all of them, and overpowered them so that they fled out of that house naked and wounded. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks, and fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. 
Also, many of those who are now believers came confessing and divulging their practices. And a number of those who had practiced magic arts brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. These seven sons of Sceva thought they could use the name of the Lord for their own benefit. They thought, listen, God is working powerfully through Paul, and Paul is calling on the name of the Lord Jesus. And so I know what we should do. We too should call on the name of the Lord Jesus, even though we find out they had no idea who Jesus was. They didn't have a relationship with him. And the evil spirit, it says, that possessed this man recognized that and says to them, listen, I know, I know Jesus, and I've heard of Paul, but I don't have a clue who you are. And did you notice what happened? The man jumped these seven men and beat the pants off of them. Did you see that? No, I'm not kidding. It said they went away naked and wounded so that everyone around began to recognize the name of the Lord Jesus is not something simply to be thrown around carelessly, not something to be used for your own benefit so that you can gain a hearing or so that you can have people look at you and you say, I speak for the Lord, when in fact, you don't speak for the Lord at all. So with that understanding, let's ask the question, what about today? In this contemporary context, how do we best understand this command? And I want to make Two statements, I want to provide some questions for you to consider this morning. The first statement is this, the way we use the name of the Lord exposes our heart. The way we use the name of the Lord exposes what we believe about God in our heart. Do we honor, do we cherish, do we love, do we praise, do we glorify the name of the Lord, or do we think about it in a sense that it is just carelessly thrown around? You say, how do I know? Think about these questions that you see come up now on the screen. Ask yourself this, how have I used the name of the Lord with contempt? Think about that in your own life. There have been points in your life where you have blasphemed the name of the Lord, just casually used God's name in a curse word or something like that, not recognizing, understanding how valuable, how good the name of the Lord is. Maybe you say, man, I, I just hear it everywhere. I'm in an environment where that's just commonplace. But for you, if you're a follower of Jesus, do you not value the name of the Lord? and recognize to use it with contempt is not okay? When are you most tempted to do this? Here's question number two. How have I used the name of the Lord in a careless way? As we look at that, think about it in your own life. Have you just casually thrown out the name of the Lord in such a way that it's just a careless word that you use? 
You just throw it out, not really thinking about the fact that, listen, I am calling on the name of the Lord in this moment. This is not a moment simply to be careless about it, but it's a moment to take it very, very seriously. And then when am I most tempted to do this? Think about that in your own life. When are you most tempted to carelessly use the name of the Lord? Let me, let me press in just for a moment. What about when we sing on Sunday mornings and we are singing about the Lord? Is that just careless in terms, it's just words on a screen that I'm singing or genuinely in your heart, are you singing those things because you genuinely believe those to be true about the Lord? Here's question number three. How have I used the name of the Lord for my own personal gain? Have you used the name of the Lord to excuse sin in your life? Well, God wants me to be happy. Or use the name of the Lord to try to earn favor with someone in some way or some fashion. Let me tell this where it gets a bit dicey in church life. For a pastor to stand up and say, God told me to do this. And I just want to assure you from our vantage point, one of the things that you will never hear me say is that God said something if it's not here in his word. I will never come in here and say, God is telling us that we need to build another building. God has said we need to do this. What we'll say is we believe this is the direction that the Lord is leading. Because unless there's chapter and verse to declare this is what God said, is not to take seriously his name. Here's question number four. How can I intentionally praise, honor, bless, cherish, exalt, worship, and adore the name of the Lord? Think about that in your life. What does it look like for you to cherish and honor and to praise the name of the Lord. Here's the second statement. The way we use the name of the Lord informs the world. The way we as followers of Jesus use the name of the Lord in this culture in which we live tells them what we believe about God. And so if we are using his name in contempt, if we're using his name carelessly, if we are using his name cunningly for what we can get out of it, can I just say to you, the world sees that and knows what we really believe about the Lord when that's on display. But listen, when we and we don't do this perfectly always, but can we begin to move through the power of the Holy Spirit in this direction where we honor and where we cherish and where we praise and where we lift up and where we worship the name of the Lord so that the culture around us sees that we value the name of the Lord. I want to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. One of the ways we have an opportunity to cherish, to honor, to worship the Lord this morning is through celebrating communion together. And so 
as our ushers begin to prepare for that, I just want to give you a few moments to think through what does it look like right now in your heart to honor, to cherish, to praise, to glorify the name of the Lord as we take part in communion together. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe this morning you're not yet a follower of Jesus. And I just simply encourage you in this moment to, when the elements are passed by, let them pass. Because the last thing that you want to do this morning is to take part in communion if you're not a follower of Jesus. God's word is clear on that. And maybe you're here this morning, you're already a follower of Jesus, but the truth is there's unconfessed sin in your life that needs to be dealt with. And for you to partake this morning without taking care of confessing that sin would be to blaspheme the name of the Lord. And so this is a moment for you to cherish the Lord, to confess your sin before him. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the name that is above every name. Because at the name of Jesus, one day every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of the Father. So God, may we begin practicing that today. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. At this point, ushers, if you'll come forward and begin to pass out the elements, we'll celebrate together in just a moment. <laughs>